One of my favorite questions um, is the question, why? Uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why is this so important? Um, I'm actually uh, developed a little bit of a reputation on staff. I can be a tiny bit annoying at, at some of the meetings because I keep asking that same question, why? But for me, why is a question about, about purpose, question about meaning. Um, it's, a, it's a direction or a, a vision question. Uh, for instance, if I asked you, why do you live in Iowa? How would you answer that? Or, how about if I asked you, for those of you who are married, how about if I asked you, why did you marry him? Why did you marry her? Be careful. I know I tested this out a little bit with my wife and almost regretted it a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> but actually, think about it. Questions like that, they, they tell us a little bit. They say something, how we answer that. They say something about, about who we are. Uh, what's important to us. Uh, and, and it's not just about facts. You know, it's just not just about information. It's, it's, it's about what you value, what, what kind of a person you are. What if I asked you, why do you go to church? How would you respond to that? From my, um, from my desk, from my office, if I turn and look out the window, I can see the cornerstone for, uh, for the Orchard Hill Church, uh, Cedar Falls building. And, and on it, it says 1961. So that's uh, 53 years, right? 53 years of ministry. I was three years old when a group of people met in Reverend Al Moss's basement to talk about planning a church, a new church in Cedar Falls. Why? Why did they do that, do you think? Well, I mean, why do we? Why do we do this here, now? What's our purpose? What vision do we have for Jesus' church in Grundy County, in the Cedar Valley, potentially even up in Waverly maybe someday? Why why are we here? You know, I've always, I've always loved Vision Sundays at Orchard um, because I knew that that's where I'd get my why question answered. Um, I'm really willing to give a lot to things that I believe in, um, but I've got to know why. And Vision Sunday always did that for me. Um, those Sundays compelled me to continue to give and to invest myself, to my, you know, my, my time, my money, my, my energy, my gifts, my abilities to what God is doing and wants to do through Orchard Hill Church. So that's our goal this morning. On all of our campuses this morning, uh, we want to be really clear about the mission that our church is called to. Um, so those of us that are serving um, and giving and praying and volunteering can know that it's worth it. So here's the answer to the why question. Um, it's in your bulletin, put it up here. Our mission at Orchard Hill Church is helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. This mission drives us to relentlessly invite people to encounter Jesus. 
Because encountering Jesus always changes people's lives as they take steps towards following him. So if you are, if you're fairly new at Orchard, I'm really glad you're here this morning. Uh, we want you to know who we are. We want you to know um, what Orchard is about. And those of us, those of us who are on this mission, um, I hope and pray that, that this will help kind of re-inspire us to serve, to volunteer, to give, to show up, to be a part of this, this mission. Now, whenever people in the Bible encounter Jesus with an open heart um, and were ready to follow him, you will see consistently that their lives changed. So I want to look at two of those encounters this morning. In John chapter 4, we read about a Samaritan woman at a well who encounters Jesus. Now, this woman, she's far away from God. She's also a victim of her circumstances. She's a, she's a Samaritan and she's a woman. She's viewed as, actually, as property in that culture. And she's actually, she's been traded off between five different husbands. And, and the man that she's with right now, she's not married to. So she comes to this well at a time of the day when, when all of the other reputable women would, would never show up. Which says something about how she feels about herself. And she encounters Jesus, and it goes, it goes like this, John chapter 4. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, men don't speak to women. Jews don't value Samaritans. Rabbis don't sit and visit with adulterous women. So why was Jesus doing this? So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. A few days back at the, the Global Leadership Summit in Cedar Falls, uh, Joseph Grenny, one of the speakers, he talked about crucial conversations conversations that have a disproportionate influence on a life we must be engaged in crucial conversations with the people that we care about and so jesus is having a crucial conversation with this woman and this isn't about a drink of water this is about her soul this is about all of eternity their conversation goes on, and, and Jesus closes their time together, declaring to the woman, he says, I, the one who is speaking to you, I am he. What's he talking about? He's saying that I am the Messiah. And she looks into his eyes, and she sees the love of God for a sinner who's lost in shame and guilt. She feels respected and loved, maybe for the first time, valued, listened to. This encounter with Jesus reshapes her. She feels forgiveness. She feels hope. She feels love. And if, and if this rabbi, this amazing man who might be the Messiah, 
if, if he can feel that way about her, well then, maybe God could also love and value her too. This encounter changes this woman who just moments before was far away from God. And then we read on, 13 verses later, we see this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This woman, this Samaritan woman, helped others in her village to encounter Jesus. And then their lives were changed. Tyler Perry was one of the other speakers at the, at the summit. Um, he's a familiar actor. He's a filmmaker. He's a philanthropist. And uh, so he was interviewed by, by Bill Hybels. Uh, and he shared, he shared about how he and his mother were beaten regularly over a period of years by, by an alcoholic father. So Hybels asked him, your dad abused you and your mom for so long, and yet every Sunday morning, your mom took you to church. How did that work for you? And Tyler Perry said something like this. He said, I watched my mom sing in the choir and worship God with great joy week after week. Something, someone gave her great hope, even though I knew her misery and pain at home with my dad. And as I watched her, I wanted to know the God who gave her that. I, I wanted to know the God who lifted up her spirits, who gave her joy. So because of his mother's example, Tyler Perry encountered Jesus. And his life was forever changed. The central core of our mission is to help people take next steps toward Jesus, to help others encounter Jesus in fresh ways that'll change their lives. And you know, encountering Jesus is not just for those who are far from God. It's also for those of us who are already following Jesus. We all need fresh encounters with Jesus. I think that's why 325 people showed up at the summit this year. Maybe it's why many of you are here this morning. You desire a fresh perspective, a fresh encounter, a new closeness with Christ. That's why some of you volunteer. That's why some of you serve in so many different ways or, or attend a class or participate in a small group. Think about the Apostle Peter. He was in the family fishing business when he first encountered Jesus. And he responded by immediately laying down his nets and following Jesus for three years. You know, and during that time, Peter had encounter after encounter with Jesus. He watched Jesus heal the sick. He watched Jesus feed the 5,000. He watched Jesus raise people from the dead. And with each encounter, he took this, he took this step closer to Jesus and more and more change took place in his life. At one point, Peter even said to Jesus, he said, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to him and said, on you, Peter, I will build my church. 
Now, one of the last encounters on earth that Peter had with Jesus was in John chapter 21. Peter and some of the other disciples are out fishing again. This is what it says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. This was after Jesus' resurrection. So he called out to them. Jesus did, and he said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, probably John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment back around himself where he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter, he climbed back into the boat and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. That's a good day's catch. But even with so many, of the, so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And in the encounter that follows, Jesus asks Peter three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? And each time, Peter says, of course I do. And in response, Jesus says three times, he says, well, then feed my sheep. And at the end of this, end of this encounter, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, he said, follow me. And Peter did. Now, he didn't do it perfectly. We know that through his story. But he did it persistently. And he kept walking toward Jesus, encounter after encounter. And with each one, more change took place in his heart and in his life. And just like the Samaritan woman, he couldn't keep it to himself. He had to share this good news with other people. He shared this life-changing news about God's love and about God's power with others. And he invited, invited them to have an encounter with Jesus too. And sometimes we get asked, if people, are, if people are actually growing spiritually at Orchard Hill Church? And the answer is, yes, absolutely. Men and women, young and old, are encountering Jesus, some for the very first time. And many are having new and fresh encounters with Jesus. Lives are changing. So last Sunday afternoon, in our backyard, we baptized 18 people, ages 4 through 72. Uh, some were celebrating a very first-time encounter with Jesus, just like the Samaritan woman. And some have been faithful followers of Jesus for years, just like the Apostle Peter. And we're marking a fresh, new encounter that they were having with Christ. I know a few of you were there, and it was a, it was a powerful, powerful afternoon. So one of the, one of the families that were there that were the Kegels. Um, Jacob Kegel is 14 years old, and he was one of the very first to tell me uh, that he wanted to be baptized. Um, so we took a, a moment after everything was all done and, and most of the people had left, and we sat down with his, um, with his mom, Dawn, 
Kegel, because um, she's got a story to tell too. And, uh, and we visited her with her for a little while. So we wanted to, we want to show you this, this clip um, from the conversation that we had with Don. My name is Don Cagle, and I have uh, four boys. And I think most people at church probably know that because we put ourselves in the front row every week. We're the ones who pop up because we spill hot chocolate every week and have to go wipe it up, which you're welcome. That's why we don't sit in the sanctuary. Um, but my life is as busy as Sunday is. Um, it's, but I'm beginning to appreciate the busyness in my life because if I had to sit still too long, I think the trials that I'm going through right now would be harder to deal with. And so I have uh, my own four little miracles that I think were given to me because of um, what I've been going through. I got diagnosed with stage four melanoma uh, last September. And uh, it was rather disappointing because uh, the bump that I had initially found, I was told twice, was, uh, was something else, with blood clot harmless but I had this perpetual nagging sensation that whatever that wasn't belonged there I wanted it out and a week later I got a call saying I had melanoma and a week or two later I found out it was not just melanoma it was stage four melanoma so that was really shocking um, my family history I don't really know hardly anybody in my family that has cancer I know friends and other people with cancer but it was it was something completely blindsided and I'm I'm not a sun worshiper I'm pretty pasty most of the time so this is kind of a shocker cancer to be saddled with, just completely unexpected. I couldn't be more fired up to have a 14-year-old who's fired up. I mean, he's just, he could look at all this stuff going on with me and it could make him very angry. He's at that age where he could choose to be mad about what's going on with his mom, but he's not. He's, it caused him to lean on him even more. And you know, you're a teenager and you're in junior high and you know, and you like to wear shirts that say God's not dead on them or whatever. And he brings his Bible to study hall. Not very many kids bring their Bible to study hall. And it's just, it couldn't make me more proud. And he was the one who had asked us about being baptized. I'm just so grateful that him as a teenager, he has Jesus. You know, I kind of knew Jesus, but I, I didn't talk to him. I didn't really ask for his help in junior high, high school. And so, I mean, I just couldn't be more proud and, and just thankful for Orchard because you guys have a way, along with the chaos program, of just making kids, well, number one, it just makes loving Jesus cool, which it should be, but just all that um, community, and it's just so great to have your kids to have faith now and not have to have a bad thing happen where then they get on their knees and they pray for help or whatever number of things that sometimes finally make you get on your knees when life's too hard to stand, you know, and he's already on his knees and life isn't so bad and I think that's great it's it's good we're gonna watch the, uh, the whole interview with Don um, in a couple weeks at the gathering um, I usually sit in front of uh, Don's family um, in church on Sunday mornings when I'm in Cedar Falls in the in the gym um, so I've been watching them and I've been watching Jacob um, for a while this is a young man who's had more than one encounter with Jesus already in his young life, and uh, and his life is changing. His life is changing. We saw many of you that were there last week, um, in the water and out of the water. You know, every one of those was a story, an amazing story, of an encounter with Jesus 
or another encounter with Jesus, and a life has changed. Um, so our mission as a church is to help people to encounter Jesus, pure and simple. So what, what does that look like? Well, for one thing, it looks just like this right here, what's going on right now. It, it's why we worship together and why we do it again and again and again. In doing this, we believe that we encounter Jesus together. And, and then when we bring our neighbors, when we bring our friends, when we bring our family, um, we're inviting them to encounter Jesus too. But this, this worshiping together, it doesn't just happen this way on a Sunday morning. It happens in so many different ways. Uh, it happens at the Global Leadership Summit. It happens uh, at BASIC on the UNI campus every Thursday night. It uh, happens at Christmas Eve services. It, it happens at outdoor baptism services in a backyard pool. It happens in sanctuaries, in gyms, in parks, in backyards, in theaters, in old country churches, even our cars and our homes. We believe that when we gather together in the name of Jesus to worship Him, that God is already there. And we will have an opportunity to encounter Him. Whether it's our first time, a first time encounter, or we're faithful followers, we will hear that invitation again to follow Him. So, and we also believe that to help people encounter Jesus, it is critical for us to declare the Word of God Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. And we've read study after study that's, that's shown that spiritual growth happens when people encounter Jesus through hearing God's word. That that's vital. That's a key. That's a given. And what does that look like? Well, when we gather to worship, wherever it is, we want to open the Bible. We want, to, we want to share the message of God's truth and grace. And we want to help you personally to connect with and learn from God's Word. Like in your home, through the daily scripture, or uh, with your kids when they come home, what they've learned on Sunday mornings. The Bible is central to what we teach in everything, our leadership classes, Bible studies, men's groups, small groups, whatever it is. Why? Because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. We encounter Jesus when we encounter God's story in the Bible. And then one more very important way that, God, that uh, Orchard helps people encounter Jesus is through serving. I believe that we grow in faith when we are in meaningful relationships with others, when we open our lives to others, when we look for opportunities to serve others alongside of others. This journey of growing up spiritually, of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus, is not just growing in, in information, just our knowledge about God. It's also becoming the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. I've, I mean, personally, I, I've had encounter after encounter again and again with Jesus in times of worship, in times of 
in times of praise, in times of song, um, teaching, alongside others, alongside other followers of Jesus. I've, I've, had, I've encountered Jesus again and again through, through the reading and the meditating on God's Word, whether it be by myself, in a quiet place, at a quiet time, or in the company of other people through, through discussion and study. I've encountered Jesus again and again through times of serving others, alongside of others, be it in, uh, uh, in the Walnut neighborhood, in, in, in Waterloo, or, um, or in Mozambique, or, or in Haiti, or, or in a local coffee shop, or, or in my own neighborhood, back in my own backyard. When have you encountered Jesus? Where have you encountered Jesus? Have you heard Jesus say to you for the first time or in a new, fresh way, follow me? The central core of Orchard's mission is to help people take next steps toward Jesus, to encounter him in fresh ways that will change their lives. And I'm, I just got to tell you, I am excited about that mission that I believe God's called us to. And I hope that you can feel challenged to do the same. I, I believe it's worth it. My deepest hope is that as God's family at Orchard Hill Church, we will all encounter Jesus in new and fresh ways in the months ahead. That our lives will be changed. That we'll invite others to come and join us as together we follow Jesus. Let's pray. It's a powerful challenge, God. Um, and it's a hard road that we walk sometimes. I know that's, uh, I know that's been the experience of, of um, a number of our families over the last, uh, the last days and weeks. And uh, life is challenging. Um, life is difficult sometimes. Uh, but you are the source of hope. You are the source of joy. You love us. You walk beside us. You forgive us. You wipe away our shame and our guilt. You give us a fresh start at any moment. Life at its fullest is a life lived in you, with you. So I just pray that all of us, no matter where we're at, that we would feel inspired and compelled to take a step closer to you this morning. Um, that we would hear that invitation from you to follow you. And as a church, over these weeks and months ahead of us, may we be a church that lifts up your name, that we can shine brightly for you, that we would not be ashamed, that we would be bold and courageous in our witness towards you because we believe you are the source of love and power and life. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for the lives, for the story each person brings. Thanks for loving them, for walking with them. May they sense your power and your presence in their lives right now. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.